Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm joined by Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League, and we're outside the giant Planned Parenthood abortion center in Aurora. Earlier, Governor Pritzker and members of the Illinois congressional delegation used this facility to condemn the Texas heartbeat law, and in response to that law, they announced federal legislation to protect what they call women's reproductive health. Eric, you would call it something else. Well, abortion is not health care. Abortion is manslaughter. Abortion takes the life of an innocent human child. It's an invasive surgery or a very powerful chemical concoction that is dangerous for women and, of course, fatal for the unborn child. It's particularly egregious that during a pandemic, when human lives are being lost, when we're you know, so aware of the, uh, the need that we have to care for our friends and neighbors and to all pull together to get through this thing, that they would be talking about killing innocent children in the womb. We know that uh, Governor Pritzker is a devoted advocate for abortion. He's pledged his governorship on making Illinois the abortion capital of the Midwest, and we've seen him move in that direction. The Reproductive Health Act has made Illinois a haven for abortionists. We see cars coming into our abortion facilities from cross state lines. Planned Parenthood has built these facilities at the borders of our state, bordering Missouri, bordering Indiana, bordering Wisconsin, to pray on women from those states as well. So Illinois truly is becoming the abortion capital of middle America, but we're not gonna let Pritzker get away with it. So we were out here when he came to talk about Texas and to pledge that Illinois abortion providers would be there for Texas women who wanna to travel to Illinois for their abortions. We were here with 350 people saying, absolutely not. We are not gonna allow you to make Illinois the abortion capital of the Midwest. We're gonna watch the Supreme Court overturn Roe versus Wade this year, and then we're gonna make Illinois a pro-life state. So we're pushing back. The forces against us are very powerful, they're very wealthy, they're very determined. We don't have their riches, not in terms of you know, worldly finances, but we have the riches of heaven. We have God's grace, we have God's Holy Spirit guiding us, and we have this cause on our side. So we're gonna keep fighting Governor Pritzker no matter what kind of propaganda he throws out there, no matter how he tries to twist this thing. Abortion is not health care. it's not good for women, it's fatal for babies, and it's bad for our state. Well, you said a lot there, but let me get back to this. The Women's Health Care Protection Act would give equal access to abortions across the U.S. and lift restrictions including mandatory waiting periods, ultrasounds, and two-trip requirements. Does the Texas abortion law ensure passage of that federal legislation? Will the outrage against that law be so intense that they'll push this through? You know, the Texas law is a strange one. It's got this unusual provision whereby regular citizens are, in a sense, deputized to enforce the law rather than state officials. And for that reason, it hasn't really been struck down, surprisingly. It's now enforced in Texas, and abortions have halted in that state. What's surprising to me is that the American people really have sort of scratched their heads about it. There's been some outrage, there's been some rallies, there's events like Governor Pritzker's press conference here with the, the head of Planned Parenthood of Illinois. There was a big rally in Federal Plaza with the, the handmaids in their creepy red gowns coming out to, you know, pretending that this is some sort of a, a theocratic fight or something. But in general, the American people have been stepping back and kind of watching, and I'm encouraged by that. There's very little support for 
legal abortion in this country when it comes right down to it. Most Americans will say they want to kind of stay out of it in the first trimester or so. They're not comfortable with it, though, and they don't want to riot in the streets about it. They don't want to stand up and make a big deal out of it, I think. So we're going to see. I don't think that we're ever going to see any federal legislation um, that would essentially codify Roe because we have so many wonderful pro-life senators and congressmen who are going to fight it because we have so many pro-life voters all across the country that have elected these people. There simply is not the will in Congress to, to sweep all of the abortion uh, laws that have been set up across the country away, especially measures like parental notice. Like here in Illinois, they're trying to repeal our parental notice of abortion act, but that act is supported by the vast majority of Illinoisans and Americans in general. Americans don't want to pay for abortion. They don't want abortions to be done for sex selection or for birth control or for getting rid of disabled children like kids with, with Down syndrome. They don't like to see um, these horrific late-term abortion procedures and they don't want to pay for it with their tax dollars. There's so many things they don't like about abortion. So we're never going to see a federal law. That doesn't mean we don't need to fight it. We don't need to work really hard. But we'll be able to resist that. I think more importantly is the, the Supreme Court case that we're seeing go through right now. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, more about that in a bit. Well, let's talk about it right now. Yeah. What's your concern or what's your hope for the Supreme Court case that you're talking about? You know, not too long ago when Amy Coney Barrett was being um, interviewed for the job as Supreme Court Justice, and we were all watching that, that denomination process unfold, I was saying that I did not think Roe v. Wade would be overturned uh, anytime soon. I was pretty pessimistic about that happening. I knew that she was uh, a jurist likely to side with the cause of justice when it comes to the unborn child, the injustice that's being done to them in abortion. But I've really come around to be a lot more optimistic. The fact that they took this case at all, they didn't have to take it. All they needed to do was nothing. And the Mississippi 15-week ban, which is what this is all about, would have remained off the books. It would have remained unenforced. Three and a half years ago, that law was passed. In that time, three million children have been aborted in the United States of America. The Holocaust has continued. And I think that maybe things have changed enough. The fact that they're allowing the Texas law to go forward, strange though it is, the fact that they decided to take this case, that means at least four justices and probably five want to change the lower court's rulings. So I'm extremely optimistic. I don't see how they can uphold the Mississippi law without overturning Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. I'm not really uh, able to predict what they'll do exactly or how they'll do it, and we've been disappointed before. But I'm more optimistic than I've ever been that we could see the end of Roe versus Wade. What that will mean for the pro-life movement is anybody's guess. Yeah. It, there could be a massive backlash against that ruling if it happens uh, next year. Well, there, there might will not be. be. Yeah, there will well, be. Well, we'll have to see how big it is. Will it be big enough to have political consequences? Will the Republicans lose what looks like a groundswell that will be leading them into uh, overtaking leadership of both the House and the, and the Senate. Uh, we don't know. Uh, in, in a sense, it doesn't matter. I mean, injustice this horrific really needs to end, even if there's some political consequences to it along the way. But um, I'm encouraged. Uh, I'm also a little bit frightened because I don't know what that world's going to look like. We're going to have to go state by state by state restoring legal protection to unborn children. And in a state like Illinois, it's going to be an uphill climb, almost a vertical precipice. So let's get our, our, our rope climbing gear and, and, uh, and make, start making the climb. Well, they've codified Roe versus Wade essentially in Illinois law. So even if Roe falls at the federal level, is there hope here in Illinois? 
Well, there's always hope because at the end of the day, abortion is unpopular. People are uncomfortable with abortion. And in some ways, because this has been such a federal issue with the Supreme Court having blocked most measures that would save unborn children from abortion, certainly the kinds of bans that states like Texas and, and Ohio and Alabama have been exploring in recent years have been impossible in a state like Illinois. But because the issue was federal, in a way it was really all just window dressing. The state legislature and many voters have not really had to take the issue seriously. We know there are very many voters who are pro-life but who haven't really voted that way. This is especially true in the African-American community and the Hispanic community. Maybe with a, a change at the federal level where abortion is is no longer sort of federally required by the Supreme Court ruling, we'll have an environment in which we really can make more headway and these issues will matter more at the state level. So we certainly should not give up hope for Illinois. We should though know it's going to be a very tough climb and it's going to really take everybody's effort. Every one of you won't get involved in the fight to make Illinois a pro-life state again. We never will. But if we all fight, if we all work together, I think we can do it. There's some folks even in the pro-life community, Eric, who say maybe the Texas heartbeat law goes too far because uh, it doesn't include a rape and incest provision. And that's how the left really attacks protections for the unborn. They use that. Well, you know, one thing has to be clear right from the beginning. Less than 1% of abortions have, have anything to do with rape, incest, or the sort of threat to the, to the life and health of the mother in any real way. So the vast majority, 99% of abortions or more, are performed under completely different circumstances, often difficult circumstances, but not those, on a perfectly healthy embryo or fetus. That's the first thing we need to be clear about, and we need to share that message with our friends and neighbors, that rape and incest abortions are extremely rare. What I'll do is kind of call people's bluff and say, okay, fine, what if we made an exception for those? Would you ban all the other abortions? Well, they'll never take that deal. So we know that it's not really a sincere concern. But more importantly, I think we have to recognize that abortion does not help the victims of rape and incest, especially think about incest. You know, think about this Texas provision. This law penalizes those who help a woman get an abortion, from the abortionist to the receptionist at the abortion facility to the guy who pushes her into it and maybe pays for the abortion. Well, what if that guy is a stepfather who's been abusing his stepdaughter? Abortion makes it possible for him to continue that abuse. She is not helped by getting an abortion and then going right back into that abusive home. That doesn't help her at all. That allows the abuse and the exploitation to continue. We don't want to see that. We want to see women protected. Telling a woman who's been the victim of sexual assault that she, in order to be whole, now has to also participate in the killing of a child who was conceived that way, that's a horrible thing to say to a woman. We have to absolutely reject that dark and pessimistic message. Eric, you said that you don't think this federal reproductive health law, women's reproductive health law, will go anywhere. But Democrats control the House and the Senate. Yeah, the, the, the Democrats control the House and the Senate, but at, at, at this time in our history, we still have a filibuster in the Senate. They're not going to end the filibuster in order to pass abortion legislation. They don't dare because the American people are not with them and they know it. This is not a, a message of complacency, it's a message of optimism. We have the people on our side, they don't want a federalized abortion law, Congress doesn't really want it, the Democrats don't want to destroy the filibuster for this. They would destroy the filibuster for other things like the infrastructure bill perhaps or perhaps some kind of a change in health care. One of those issues that the American people actually care more about and are more with them on. They're not going to do it over this. As long as we keep the pressure on, as, as long as they know 
that we're against them on this. And we keep calling even our pro-abortion senators, even Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth, we keep calling them, we keep emailing them, we keep even handwriting them letters telling them we don't want this type of legislation. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Well, they're very pro-abortion. What good does that do? It reminds them that there are other voters out there. It reminds them that there's voters like this in other states. They're hearing from us because they talk about it. And we've gotten a lot of phone calls, and that makes an impact maybe on another senator, somebody else who's in the room, even if those guys are absolutely not going to change. You know, we have to leave room for the Holy Spirit to operate, too. I think down deep, they all know this is wrong. Nobody's comfortable with abortion. Nobody wants an abortion. Nobody really wants to talk about abortion. That's one of the things that's a challenge for us as a pro-life movement. We have to invite our fellow Christians to think about this issue that nobody wants to think about, to hear these stories of women who regret their abortions that nobody wants to listen to. We have to be out there looking, listening, and telling. This is Illinois Family Spotlight, our conversation with Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League, continues after this. How much learning loss has there been? For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. While some studies conclude that students made little or no progress while learning from home, the effects of school shutdowns vary depending on additional factors like socioeconomic status, the type of distance learning, especially the involvement of parents. In other words, it's mostly bad news, but with a silver lining. As one teenager told the New York Times, although living through COVID has been hard, I am incredibly lucky to say that I probably gained more than I lost. Like most of the damage from this pandemic, the key factor for education were pre-existing conditions. Students already used to being challenged grew more resilient with the adversity. Students whose education was already more than just information transfer were able to build curiosity in new ways. Parents who accepted that their kids' education was primarily their job made the necessary pivots. In other words, the important lessons to be learned in education are about far more than just crisis management. It's about what education really is. I'm John Stone Street. It's an evening you don't want to miss. The Illinois Family Institute's Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet with the Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer, Friday night, October 29th at the Carlisle in Lombard. To register, click events at IllinoisFamily.org. We're going to be giving some solutions and some hope in the midst of a culture that clearly has lost its way. Dr. Lutzer is Pastor Emeritus of Moody Church, a Christian broadcasting legend and the author of We Will Not Be Silenced. God has led us to this moment. He's given us resources to move forward. The church should not be shamed into silence. Dr. Erwin Lutzer and the Illinois Family Institute's Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet. Limited seating. Call now, 708-781-9328 or click events at IllinoisFamily.org. IllinoisFamily.org. Hi, this is Pastor McCracken, pastor of the Church of Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Markham, Illinois. For the last four years, our church has been struggling to overcome the city's efforts to shut us down. In the midst of all of our legal issues, we felt overwhelmed and discouraged. All we wanted to do was worship the Lord and serve our community. We needed a law firm that not only had the knowledge of the law, but the same commitment of the kingdom of God. The Lord connected us with the law firm of Malcolm Baker. The attorneys at Malcolm Baker have not only provided us with exceptional legal representation and counsel, but have also provided us with the added gift of lawyers who pray with us and seek the guidance of the Lord at every step. After working with Malcolm Baker, we can't imagine working with anyone else. 
Hi, this is Noel Sterrett, an attorney with Malkin Baker. If your church or ministry has any legal needs, please call us, 312-726-1243, or look us up online at maukbaker.com. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here, and here is outside the Big Planned Parenthood Abortion Center in Aurora. And I'm joined by Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League. Eric, folks need to come alongside the Pro-Life Action League, your activities and bringing resources to your organization. How can they do that? We're at ProLifeAction.org. You can find us on Facebook at Pro-Life Action. And we are the nation's oldest grassroots activist organization. Our focus since 1980, when the organization was founded by my late father, Joe Scheidler, just passed away this past January, has been to focus our attentions on the local level. We empower and equip regular Americans to be a voice for the unborn. We talk to you about how to protest, how to talk to the police, how to deal with the media, how to deal with counter-protesters, how to work in the community, work with the churches, deal with social media. We've been doing this for more than 40 years. We are just enthusiastic about helping people. So our mission is to take our expertise at grassroots pro-life activism, changing the culture, changing people's minds, educating people, and give that to the nation. So that's what we do. We work with uh, groups all over the country. We hold nationwide events like Christmas time. We do Christmas caroling at abortion facilities in our Peace in the Womb Christmas caroling. We've done rallies in Federal Plaza against the abortion provisions of the uh, Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. This is the work that we do, and we're always looking for people to partner with and to help. We need folks to pray for us. We need folks to uh, donate. You can find us online at ProLifeAction.org. You can visit us on Facebook at ProLifeAction. We're on Twitter at ProLifeAction. Eric, you said that Roe versus Wade could potentially fall. Well, if it doesn't happen right away, that could give Democrats more time to pack the Supreme Court. Is that a concern of yours? I am concerned about the possibility of Supreme Court packing. I'm less concerned than I was back during the campaign when Joe Biden was refusing to answer that question, when he was asked about it over and over and over again. You know, he's on record earlier in his career very much opposing that. Of course, earlier in his career, he said that uh, taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for abortion and that he believed life begins at conception, which in fact it does, as any biologist could tell you. So we know that Joe Biden is capable of a flip-flop. But I, I think, again, it's not just a question of what the Democrats want to do. It's also a question of what the American people are willing to put up with. I don't think that the American people support abortion enough to endorse filling, you know, basically destroying the objectivity and, and separation of our courts in this way. I think there's a general recognition that this would be bad for our country. There's a fair degree of confidence in our federal courts still. I mean, I'm a pro-life activist, and I've been in the federal courts again and again and again, and I have great confidence in the federal courts. I'm much more concerned if I have a case in state court or in county court or city court. Federal courts have been an excellent, you know, sort of bedrock for our, for our civil rights and, and have been relied upon by the American people. And for that reason, I don't think that uh, they're going to support this kind of twisted attempt to use the courts for a political purpose. They could still try, and I know there are very, very loud radical voices that are calling for that. And again, I don't want to make anyone be complacent. We have to make our voices heard about this. But we should be encouraged that I think most of Congress, most of the American people, and even most of the media 
don't want to see our courts abused in this way. They're, they're really not comfortable with that, and they shouldn't be, because it would be the end of any legitimate federal judiciary if that were to happen. So uh, I have a high degree of confidence in the federal courts, and I don't think that the American people are going to put up with uh, them being tampered with in this way. And I think that's why Joe Biden created a commission to explore the issue, right? He filled that commission with dozens of people. You don't put that many people on a commission that you want to succeed. You put that many people on a commission that you want as window dressing so it'll look like you're doing something for the radicals in your party. That's what I think is happening. So I feel more encouraged about that than I did last year. A couple of... Uh abortion centers are closing here in Illinois. And I'm wondering if this is just a consolidation process, that they're moving toward big abortion centers like the big Planned Parenthood in Aurora. What do you think? We know that abortion rates have been climbing in Illinois, and I don't expect that to change. I think we're going to be absolutely dumbstruck when we see the figures from next year when we see the impact of both the pandemic itself and the opening of Planned Parenthood's horrific mega center in Waukegan, which they did last year, right in the middle of the pandemic. All the other businesses around the state are shut down. Planned Parenthood is opening up a new one right as the rest of us are sheltering at home. So I expect to see Illinois abortion numbers continue to skyrocket, even with abortion facilities closing. So in some sense, yes, this is a, something of a consolidation. Planned Parenthood is really coming in and cornering the abortion market throughout the state of Illinois as they continue to build these facilities. We know that they intend to build at least two, possibly three more. We don't know where. We're continuing to monitor that very closely. Please pray that we will be able to find out their plans way in advance and can stop it. For the pro-life movement, though, whenever a facility closes, that means that the folks who've been focused on that community with their 40 Days for Life campaigns and their sidewalk counseling and their prayer efforts, they can move those efforts to another facility. They can bring them out here to Aurora, for example, or up to Waukegan. A new facility opened a couple of years ago in Skokie inside of a high-rise called Carafem. So there's ample opportunity for people to get involved in the, in the fight against abortion because there are ample opportunities to abort your baby in the state of Illinois. Well, I want to dive deeper into the 40 Days for Life campaign, but the Texas pro-life law, will that have an impact on the numbers coming to Illinois? I'm, I'm assuming it will because more women will come to Illinois because there are essentially no restrictions on abortions in Illinois. Well, during the press conference um, here at Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood officials talked about how they've already started to see patients coming in from Texas for abortions. So if they're telling the truth about that, uh, yeah, we're going to see some women from Texas come in. They're already coming from Indiana. They're coming from Kentucky. They're coming from Missouri in vast numbers to the Fairview Heights abortion facility in Illinois in the suburbs of uh, St. Louis. They're coming in from Wisconsin. We see cars from Nebraska. Illinois is already a destination for abortion. It's an abortion destination state, and we should be ashamed of that as Illinoisans, that cars are going to be arriving from Texas or women are going to be flying in from Texas is just further shame for our state that we've positioned ourselves in this way to welcome abortion and abortionists with open arms. It's bad and it's, it's outrageous and it's scandalous, but, but this is also an opportunity. It's an opportunity for those of us who care about these children to go out to the abortion facilities, especially during 40 Days for Life campaign. This year more than ever, with this incredibly important Dobbs versus Jackson Supreme Court case that we were talking about before, with the, all the attention on Texas and its unusual heartbeat bill uh, that deputizes regular citizens to be advocates for unborn children. With uh, Joe Biden and all his waffling on this issue, abortion is in the public eye. 
Our presence outside the abortion facilities is more important than ever before. This year, more than ever, please take part in a 40 Days for Life campaign. If you've been thinking about it and what is this 40 Days for Life thing, what, what, what is it all about? It's so simple. Go out for an hour and pray, whether it's Planned Parenthood facility in Aurora, there's a 40 Days for Life campaign, I believe, up in Waukegan. There's several others throughout the state where people can go out to the abortion facilities and pray. All you do is pray. You're not being asked to engage with the public. You're not being asked to talk to anybody who's walking in there, the staff or the clients. You're simply going to pray. Spend that time. For folks who've never done something pro-life, this is a good starting point, 40 Days for Life. 40 Days for Life is the absolutely perfect entry point for pro-life involvement because you're talking about something that's very well organized. The police are fully appraised of what's going on. The public has gotten used to it at this point. Eric, I want to backtrack just a little bit here, but with the pro-life measures put in place in neighboring states and now in Texas and more women coming to Illinois for abortions, does this put more burden on Illinois taxpayers? One of the shocking things about the abortion industry in the state of Illinois and the legal environment here is that we don't even know when our taxpayers are being used for abortion. Are they using our tax dollars under HB 40 signed into law by Governor Rauner? Are they using our tax dollars for these out-of-state abortions if it's on if for Medicaid abortions? We just don't know. It's entirely possible. And there's been some serious questions raised about whether that's happening. So it's certainly possible that we are directly paying for abortions from some of these out-of-state women. In addition, it costs taxpayer dollars just to having an abortion facility in a community. The extra policing that's required, the, the loss of tax dollars to the tax base. I mean, Planned Parenthood has built four mega centers in the state of Illinois on real estate that should be proving the tax base. This spot here in Aurora was meant to be a lucrative business that would provide taxes to the county in the city. Instead, it's completely off the tax rolls. The same thing in Flossmore. That's going to happen too in Waukegan. So Planned Parenthood's building plans alone are costing the uh, taxpayers of Illinois millions and millions of dollars. Could be millions more actually paying for abortions. We just don't know, and we don't have a way of finding out. Earlier you talked about the Illinois Parental Notice of Abortion Act still at risk. Got through the legislative session January through the spring, but who knows what could happen in the veto session. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, but so often in Illinois, abortion politics is influenced by other states. Uh, it's my belief that we would have been able to defeat the Reproductive Health Act back in 2019 if it hadn't been for the big controversy over the Alabama total abortion ban. Uh, there was a, a massive rally in Daly Plaza shortly after that, and it seemed like after this, the lawmakers really stopped listening to us. They were so indoctrinated, so horrified by the controversy they were seeing that um, we were, they were able to get it through, and, and, and that's tremendously unfortunate. We were able to fight off the uh, repeal of parental notice this year, and again, now we've got another state influencing things here. The Texas law gives them kind of a new opportunity to point to that and say, look at these radicals who want to throw women in jail, which isn't true. It's, you can't penalize a woman. The Texas law doesn't go after her at all, and, and nor should it. So I'm, I'm very concerned that they're going to try to revive that effort to repeal parental notice again in this veto session that's coming up. Hopefully they're too busy with other matters. They won't be able to look at this, we hope and pray. But I, I just would really call on everybody to be at the ready. Be ready to call your state rep, your state senator, 
uh, as that veto session goes into uh, into play down in Springfield. So be watching, be paying very close. If you want, if you check your email like once every couple days, you got to check it once a day, maybe twice a day now, because there's going to be an urgent call coming soon for you, and you don't want to miss that. We, I think, have the the numbers certainly in the in the voices of the people to stop this if we pull together. They are absolutely determined to sweep away this law and it's going to continue to be a major, major challenge for us in the pro-life movement uh, that we'll only succeed at if all hands are on deck. And you need to pray that this law is protected. Absolutely. We, we need to be praying for the, the moderate legislators, the, the ones who are um, uncomfortable with abortion but still put pro-choice next to their name because they think it helps them get, get votes in, from their Democratic voters. But they don't want to see this type of radical measure that's so unpopular. We need to be praying for them especially, that they'll stay strong, that they won't be cowed by all of the lobbyists that are going to be coming in and telling horror stories, mostly lies, coming in from Planned Parenthood, from NARAL, from Personal PAC, and these other hideous groups that are trying to make Illinois really uh, abortion central. Will abortion be kind of front and center in the governor's race? I think the abortion issue will be important in Illinois. It really, a lot of it depends on how things play out with parental notice. If that issue is still being fought over when the governor's race is unfolding, I think uh, it'll be a very important issue. And so that's one of the reasons for us to keep fighting, to keep it out there in the public eye, because it is so unpopular. And when people see how incredibly radical J.B. Pritzker is on this issue, Maybe they'll be less likely to support him, especially considering, you know, all that's gone down during this COVID pandemic year. Eric, thank you so much. Just another brief word about the importance of 40 Days for Life. 40 Days for Life has been going on now since 2007 all around the country. Hundreds of workers have quit. Thousands of babies have been saved. Dozens of facilities have shut down because of the presence of pro-life people. You know, I did the math one time on this. And just about 20 or 25 percent of Americans are fully pro-life, you know, say that abortion is always wrong, that even a child conceived in rape is a child of God who deserves to live. Those types of truly pro-life people, right? If every one of those people, just the adults of that group, were to go out for just one hour, not per week, not per month, but per year, if every pro-life American adult went out to an abortion facility for one hour per year, there would be 200 to 300 pro-lifers praying outside of every abortion facility every second that they're open. The abortion industry could not survive that type of public presence outside their facilities. Let's make that our goal, that these places are never operating without Christians praying there. 40 Days for Life is your chance to start to take part in that movement. And once again, Eric, how can folks connect with the Pro-Life Action League? You can find us online at prolifeaction.org. You can visit us on Facebook, at Pro-Life Action. We're on Twitter, at Pro-Life Action. We are posting constantly about the things that we're doing locally, throughout the state, and across the country. If you have friends in other states, tell them to plug into the Pro-Life Action League. We will put them to work being a voice for our unborn brothers and sisters. Thank you so much. Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League. And please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.